0: live okay well, do it live i can i'll write it and we'll do it live so to get that perfect barbecue
1: you use wood are you sure you say whatever we put the lighter fluid on strike the match and oh.
2: should we call the fire department that might be a good idea
1: Welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. Broadcasting from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Brimpey. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening live fire fun and frivolity show. If you want to jump in on the show tonight, more than happy to have you. And here's how you can do that.
0: You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to Greg at com or on the Twitter and Instagrams at bbqcentralshow. Anything
1: else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you can get the newsletter coming up in about 12 minutes from now. It is the first Tuesday of a month, and you know that can only mean a visit from the creator of How to Barbecue Right and the host, co-host of the How to Barbecue Right podcast, friend of this show, pitmaster of Killer Hog's barbecue team, Malcolm Reed will be joining me. Also, for the second month in a row, pitmaster of Swine Life Barbecue and of his own YouTube channel, Swine Life Barbecue, Mark Williams will be joining us as well. We'll be talking about the Palmer Home Fundraiser. Quick update there. We'll also be talking about tailgating tips. We are in the midst now of tailgating. College football is going to be getting ready to start its second week. Pro football coming up this weekend across many cities in the land. So we'll get you ready for any and all football or whatever tailgate situation that you have going on with Malcolm and Mark. Then we'll move to 35 past About a month ago, we tried with the creator of Peg Leg Porker. Technology had other ideas and it didn't come together. He was there, but technology didn't join. So we have reloaded Kerry Bringle one more time. He'll be joining me from a different location, an undisclosed location from high atop the Peg Leg Porker compound, where he promises a better internet connection. I don't know if that was necessarily the issue. Maybe it was something on my end, what have you. However, we are going to give it another whirl here in about 33 minutes from now. and We'll talk to Kerry. Get a quick history of Kerry. I mean, anybody that's got his finger or her finger on the pulse of the barbecue community for the last decade plus. You know, Kerry, you've seen him on television. You've partaken in some of his libations. And, of course, the barbecue of legend. So, Kerry coming up in the first hour, second interview slot. And then we'll go to the second hour, 14 past, we'll find a visit from none other than the owner of Cali BBQ, also owner of Cali BBQ Media and host of Digital Hospitality, Sean Walchef will be joining me once more. And we have a lot to talk about with Sean because all of you are very concerned these days about... I'm opening a restaurant, or I have this restaurant. What have you? Oh, no. I've lost internet. And I think we're back. Red lights. Red lights in this instance, good. I still have this lower third that just keeps rolling past. So I have no way of controlling that this evening. I'm not sure why that happened, but we are back on live, which is great. Anyway, as I was saying, we'll have Sean Walcheff on. A lot of you are into the restaurant scene. So in this day and age, there's no better person to have on now, present day, if you are running a barbecue restaurant or if you are going to get into the barbecue restaurant scene. To listen to my conversation I'm having the second hour with Sean and hear how he initially game planned against or around the COVID situation from 2019 and how he has continued to evolve that thought process and really become one of the most unique success stories in all of restaurantering, whether it be barbecue, fine dining, fast food, or the like. And I think you're really going to enjoy that conversation in the second hour with Sean. So there you go. Malcolm and Mark coming up here in just a few short minutes. Kerry Bringle after that and Sean Walcheff. In the second hour, don't forget you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Snappy chat at BBQ Central. And for a live video feed, you can get it over at Facebook and Twitch slash BBQ Central Show and on YouTube slash RD Rempey. You can also get an ad-free podcast feed, if you would prefer, at Patreon slash BBQ Central Show or directly in the Apple Podcast app, if you so desire. If not, don't worry about it. Now, I did get a lot of emails over the past week telling me how much the segment with Tim McKeska was entirely enjoyable. It is an explanation of how the brisket prices fluctuated the past year and a half. It was extremely insightful. It helped a lot of people get some light shed on that whole part of the business. Next time he is on, I hope to have a similar conversation with pork because while it seems the pork butts have regained some sort of normalcy Two racks of ribs was still 60 bucks at BJ's Wholesale Club this past weekend. So people only got pork butt. No ribs because I'm not paying. I don't care who you are. I'm not paying that amount of money for ribs. No way. Especially commodities pork, for crying out loud. It's not even a heritage breed. So we'll talk to Tim about that next time he's on. Listener feedback. Craig in SoCal. Hey, Greg. Got to the party a little bit late, but I've been listening for the last few years. Really enjoy the show. Great guests. Great content. I was traveling for work back in July. Spent a night in Roanoke, Virginia. The hotel I stayed at had a Mexican restaurant right next door. So no brainer where I would be having dinner that night. While perusing the menu, I came across, you guessed it, chory pollo. Did I order it? Damn right. There was no question about it. After hearing you tout the virtues, it was mighty tasty, and I would certainly order it again, given the chance. The dish just needs to work its way out here to SoCal now. Keep up the good work. Regards, Craig. Craig, welcome to the choripollo bandwagon that I'm fanning the, flam- fanning the flames of. Sam the Cooking Guy has added it to his menu, believe it or not, out there in San Diego. So, uh, Jason in Virginia. Greg, FYI, choripollo is my favorite Mexican dish and has been for as long as I can remember. Jason, thank you for writing. Dave in Charlottesville. Greg, good morning. Listening to the August 26th episode and wondering if John Solberg owns a distillery. And if so, is he open to a long-distance bromance? Regards, Dave. Look, you're going to have to get in line, Dave in Charlottesville, because I'm first in line for the bromance with John Solberg, a renaissance man of the live fire industry, making his own lump charcoal. Roasting his own coffee beans. Cleaning his grills, the likes of OCD wonderment. And as we found out on the last Embedded Correspondence segment, rolling his own cigars, if given the chance. So you're going to have to wait in line behind me, Dave, because I'm going to take John all to myself if he's open to that bromance. And I'm probably closer in Ohio. So it makes more sense that I would date him before you. Alright, before we get to Malcolm and Mark let me talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers the one stop online shop for all things barbecue a curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies will get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time everything at BigPapaSmokers.com has been pitmaster approved by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself they have championship rubs and seasonings we know them all popular flavors like pop, popular? popular flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow Double Secret Steak Rub Little Louis Seasoned Salt. Some of my favorites. 13 perfectly balanced flavors that will transform ordinary meals into extraordinary. Also, owner of Granny's Barbecue Sauce. So if you're looking for a new go-to sauce or you're sick and tired of what everybody else is using, Granny's is one you want to give a try. Now, aside from the premium selection of rubs and sauces, they're selling cookers, and you know this. Are you looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use? Check out that Mac 2-Star General Pellet Cooker. Big Papa's the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. Not a fan of pellet smokers? All right. Take a look at that old Hickory Ace BP. It's the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. If you're not a backyard, or if you are a backyard enthusiast, and you don't know which grill you need to get, call and ask questions. Why not? That's what the number's there for. Eight seven seven eight two eight zero seven two seven. 828 727 That's eight seven seven eight two eight zero seven two seven. 828 727 Or just shop their website, BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A-Smokers.com. Big Papa Smokers. And give Sterling a follow on Instagram. He's cooking some incredible food just in the backyard as well. Not seeing a lot of competition right now. And maybe for the impending future, unfortunately, for him. Not unfortunately for everybody else. Good for everybody else. But Sterling an inspiration on the culinary scene in general. Check him out. Give him a follow. We are back with Malcolm Reed and Mark Williams right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempy. All right,
1: welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, creators of automatic pin temperature control technology, sellers of ceramic cookers with built-in power draft fans and accessories. To make your barbecue and grilling life easier, visit bbqguru.com for more information or give them a call at 800 288 G U R U. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. It is the first Tuesday of September, if you can believe it, 2021 rapidly coming to a close, and the first Tuesday brings a visit. From the co-creator of How to Barbecue Right, the pitmaster of Killer Hogs Barbecue, and we'll be joined once again by the pitmaster of Swine Life Barbecue and the Associated YouTube channel. We race to the hotline and welcome back Malcolm Reed and Mark Williams. Gents, really appreciate you taking the time. I mean, what can be better for a gal like me than to have two hot barbecue studs like you (laughs) two months in a row? And I, am, I mean
3: that's that's big shoes to feel there. I, I am mega pumped up, no doubt well, you're about a
1: lucky it. Lucky man, Greg. Lucky man. You don't have to tell me twice, Malcolm. I can see it with my own two eyes as I look into the confidence monitor. Before we get going tonight, and we have a lot of stuff to talk about, I wanted to get an update from you on the Palmer home. Of course, we have talked on and off for the last number of months. It's something that you and Rochelle uh, really dove head first into a number of months back. And after I heard about it, I was like, we we don't really have uh, Palmer home situation up here in the Cleveland area. So it was very inspiring to me to listen to you guys get behind it. And then I thought I would try and help out wherever I could as well. So give us an update on where we're at currently.
4: Well, it's officially over. I think Labor Day uh, or was Labor Day was when we called it. Um, I don't remember when we started. It must have been February, March, something like that. But we took we took on a goal to raise 20000 That's what it takes to, to feed one of the families that takes care of eight kids uh, here in Hernando. And we ended up raising forty seven thousand dollars, Greg. Holy moly! And so we we raised enough to donate uh, to take care of two families for the year, which we're thrilled about. We couldn't have did it without your help, all the supporters' help, everybody that listens to your podcast, listens to our podcast. You know, we really, we really called on you know the barbecue community to help us out with this, and then, man, everybody showed up. It was it was really really great. Uh, For
1: those top five donors and uh we don't need to list them out at this point but what is the reward i know we were talking about it it was going to be some kind of a weekend do you have the dates locked down and and what can people be looking forward to
4: yeah i think we're it's november 6th um we're like you said the top five people are going to get to bring them in a guest uh and come hang out with us for a day and we're going to cook a bunch of my favorite stuff man uh, football season will be in, you know, really good form then. So I'm sure we'll have some games on cooking some of my favorite recipes, show people how, you know, we cook them, probably get people to jump in and help out a little bit, but it's just gonna be a good day of hanging out. Right. I'm sure there'll be a trip to La Siesta for margaritas in there somewhere. And it's, it's just kind of a thank you for the, you know, I wish, I wish that we could have brought it, I wish that we could invite everybody that, you know, that it donated because there was no amount that was too small, but. Uh, we just thought it would be nice, if we you know the top the top five if we did something special. So, um, you know we're looking we're really looking forward to that. That's going to be a fun day. It's not going to be work. It's just going to be a lot of fun, a lot of good eats, a lot of good fellowship.
1: No doubt about it. Malcolm Reed and Mark Williams joining me here on the show. Uh, Mark from a fast or a uh, not fast food, but from a social media foods trend. Are you all in or all out on the hottest thing ever to hit the social media scene here in the last two weeks? Smoked cream cheese.
3: Would I eat it? Heck yeah. Yeah. Like it, to me, it sounds great. I hadn't jumped on the boat yet and hadn't tried it. Um, It's one of the things everybody, it, it happened so quick. It blew up in a week's time. Like you've seen one person do it and you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then you wake up the next morning, there's thousands of people doing it. So I was late to the game on that one, but yeah, man, it's it's, it's got to be good.
1: You have a, a burgeoning YouTube channel. You have just under 42,000 subscribers. Do you feel any kind of pressure when you see something like this fall out that you have to jump on and put a Swine Life barbecue spin on it? Malcolm, we're going to ask you here in a second, so think about your answer here. But do you feel any kind of pressure to jump in and perhaps take advantage to gain new followers off of that?
3: I mean, yeah, a little bit because, I mean, that's probably one of the number one search things right now, especially on TikTok and everything like that. But in the same sense, you know, I take a lot of pride in trying to be original, trying to put my twist on it and, you know, not necessarily jumping on the bandwagon and cooking the cream cheese. But I mean, it's a great recipe and it, it's a blank canvas. It's just like everything else. Everybody can make that their own really easy. And every week you see it and somebody's topping it, you know, somebody's adding bacon jam to it or doing something crazy with it and really you know, bringing out great flavors with the blank canvas.
1: Malcolm, do you feel pressure? You have now 1.3 million YouTube subscribers, so is that a nice way for you to perhaps gain a couple extra followers?
4: You, I, I've never really jumped on the, the trends as much like that. Um, there's probably been a few that I've done, but it's not something I go looking for. I like, I mean... Really, with mine, I've already worked out. Kind of got a schedule that Shell keeps me on, and so it's like this week you're doing this, and we've already practiced it and kind of got it down. So she's not giving me a whole bunch of leeway. But there are times where I'll see something and do it. I mean, I did the cream cheese on TikTok. uh, It's probably been a month, over a month ago, or something like that, and it it really wasn't a big thing then. But that that little TikTok video has got like over fourteen million views now. So no that tells you how much that thing's taken off. People smoking cream cheese. But I will say this, Greg. I don't know why I've never done that before because <laughs> it takes cream cheese to a whole nother level. Really, there's no reason not to smoke it first. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I mean, there, there's some. This is probably old man in me, and this was also what what I feel like I must have been when. I had defiance against pellet smokers, which now I fully am in, in deep love with, and I have many of them on my back patio. But I'm like cream cheese. Like, is there not 50 other things that we could try smoking <laughs> besides cream cheese? I mean, you're unwrapping a brick of white cheese, throwing it on the smoker. I mean, what do you think is going to happen? It's going to absorb a bunch of as much smoke as it probably can because it's cold and it's kind of damp and everything that smoke can attach to. <laughs> cream yeah. cheese is made out of. And it's, it's going to get that nice patina color. I mean, you know, visually attractive, blah, blah, blah. But I think, you know, maybe that was something that, that could have been left. And I love seeing people just throwing shit up against the wall and seeing what's going to stick when it comes to the next <laughs> batch. Malcolm, I got to ask you, I mean, for as hard and as long as you work to really craft the YouTube channel into the juggernaut that it is now, are you just blown away with how popular you've gotten on TikTok in a, a mere fraction of the time?
4: Eight, eight months. We've, 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 we're uh, we've probably going to pass our YouTube numbers in, in 12 months. <laughs> I mean, I'm getting close to it now. I mean, we're almost to a million. It was unbelievable. But that shows you the way people are viewing media differently now as opposed to when I started. Um, you know, YouTube's still the best long-form video out there but the short form video is the one that's real popular people have and they're people are consuming it on mobile devices so everybody's scrolling through their phone and they've got you know 60 seconds to watch a video that's about all the attention span you're getting and i think that's why i mean that's why it's so popular it's you know you're asking for a commitment to somebody to sit down and watch a
3: 12 minute youtube video now
1: mark, all the way you, to the end mark do you have a tiktok too as well
3: I do. I had, I had to get on that one. Um, that was just another platform that like Malcolm said, it's blowing up. And you know, if you're not trying to capitalize on that, then you're, you're wasting time. You definitely need to do that. Um, I've been doing it for maybe two months and just a couple videos we've been laying low the last few weeks just cause we got so busy with stuff up here. But I think I broke 10,000 <laughs> followers on TikTok yesterday. And I mean, it is, it's going to pass my YouTube channel within the month or two. So,
1: well, uh, I it fear, is a fast growing place, no doubt. And I fear that the barbecue Central Show is going to have to be condensed to one minute interviews going forward. <laughs> so I can, you know, g- take advantage of this whole following as well. Although I think when people are in cars or traveling or you know that's kind of still where my wheelhouse lives and and where your uh, wheelhouse lives, Malcolm, on the audio side uh, for downloads of the podcast. That-
4: For certain. You know, I think, I really think the way we use it, we use it as like an experimental platform where I can try stuff that I wouldn't do a YouTube video on, but it also reaches a different audience that might not have heard me on YouTube or seen me on YouTube or heard the podcast. So for your instance, it would work great if you just had little 60 second clip clips of something that was funny. People would say, man, where did this come from? Mm -hmm. I go to barbecue central and listen to the whole podcast. So. Next thing you know, you've converted a younger audience because it's definitely a younger audience yes. on TikTok.
1: No doubt about it. I think get you a
3: sixty second clip when your internet goes out. It'd be great. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the course.
1: Cussing. Yeah, that's gonna be the that'll be my viral TikTok when the internet goes out, and I capture that and put it back up there. Uh, we're talking with Malcolm Reed and Mark Williams. Malcolm over at howtobbqright.com and Mark Williams swinelifebbq.com websites for them both. All right, so as we had mentioned a couple different times, football, uh, college football's in. Pro football starts this coming weekend. And that, of course, no matter where you are and what team you root for, tailgating, couch gating, whatever gating you want to do. But that means food. And down there in Hernando, you got, I know, Malcolm's old Miss guy. Are you a old Miss guy too, Mark? I am. All right. Sadly,
3: so, I never thought I would be, but that's where my wife graduated <laughs> from. So you either, you grow to learn it or grow to hate it. So, that's,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, so that school, obviously known for wonderful tailgates. Along, I mean, SEC has a, uh, a, a, tremendous tradition of uh, tailgating throughout its history. So when you guys think of tailgating, Malcolm, talk to me a little bit about tailgating tips for success. And then maybe what some of your favorite recipes are when you're going to be either tailgating at home, or if you're going to be tailgating out at the actual event.
4: Um, The biggest thing for success for me is do all your prep at home as much as you can. That way, when you get to the tailgate, whether it's the next day at your house or it's away at the game in a parking lot, or if it's at a buddy's, wherever it is, you're ready to go. You don't have to spend as much time doing the prep work, you know, fighting the grill, doing all that, have a, have a game plan going in. That way you can enjoy being there. And I, you know, as far as recipes, I like to do stuff that's quick, cook to quick to cook. You know, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on day of the tailgate, trying to cook a pork butt, rush it and get it done or cooking a brisket or something like that. If I'm doing that. I'm going to use a pork or I'm going to use brisket in a recipe, but it's already going to be pre-cooked where all I have to do is get it on a grill, get it in some heat, maybe a little pellet grill that we brought. And, you know, that way I can enjoy myself. I mean, I love wings. I'm a wing junkie. I think you can't do a tailgate or or, or get ready for a football game without watching or eating wings of some kind. Uh, I'm big on sliders. Anything, anything that you can cook and eat in one hand and have a cold drink in the other hand, I'm all about it. So, you know, wings, sliders, dip, something, you know, something you could dip in, get a quick bite, uh, meatballs, anything, bacon wrap. That's that's where I'm at, Greg. Uh,
3: <laughs>
1: Mark, what are your tips on successful tailgating?
3: I'll agree with Malcolm 100%, man. Keep it easy. Uh, simple recipes. It, most of the time, like you, Malcolm, said, you're just rocking by snacking. You're not going to sit down and make a meal. So a lot of times we'll do, a lot of times, like, my wife used to live in Oxford. We'd steal her oven, do something quick and easy in a cast iron. We'd make a dip. Cast iron, stay hot. You could carry it to the grove in one of those insulated little holders, and you were good to go. So, man, we made loaded baked potato dip, That's the, buffalo chicken dip. Man, you just name it. Smoke cream cheese now would be fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, no doubt, and you'd be the head of the party. Uh, back it up just for a second. Did you say a, a loaded baked potato dip? Loaded
3: baked potato dip. Right, let's, so, let's hear it. Years ago... There was a, it's still a recipe. Like it's not a recipe I come up with. It's a simple sour cream, a tub of sour cream, a bag of cheese, a bag of bacon bits and some green onions and ball it up. And you got like a cold baked potato dip. Well, if it's good cold, I was like, heck, we'll put it in a cast iron, throw it on the pellet grill and melt it. And it is unbelievable. Once you melt it and get everything all ooey and gooey, get some big ruffle Lay's potato chips. You're good to go. Wow. We
1: have you ever added so everything. The baked, have you added the baked potato to it though? That's the potato chip. <laughs> Keep it easy. <laughs> I figure you so can, It's everything but a potato. Yeah. dip. yeah. I was gonna say you you could take potato, hollow it out like you're gonna do twice bake, and then just jam Ooh. that boat full of that dip. Now you're talking. Pick it up, jam it in your mouth, or you know, half it up. I guess that's the new recipe. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. Give me a credit. Of potato skins. I
1: like that, yeah. Greg. Oh, that's about. a great idea. Uh, I mean, I am so full of recipe. Uh, Impromptuness—I mean, that's like my wheelhouse. Uh, so, uh, anything else, uh, drink-wise, guys? Uh, Malcolm, what do you like to? Are you just a beer guy, or will you cocktail it up at the tailgate?
4: Yeah, usually, you know, we're making something. Uh, if it's like a tailgate punch or something like that, I've got, uh, you know, one that we do. We call it Bullfrog, <laughs> and it'll get you hopping it's it's basically like a lemon you, you take a, a you've seen the frozen limeades and frozen lemonade concentrates you take one each of those you put it in a big you know like two gallon container with a spigot you dump in a half gallon of vodka you add you about uh three two liters of sprite you cut up some limes and some orange slices and some lemon slices and you put in there you just stir it all up. Mm. So it's like a jacked up lemonade. Yeah. And it tastes on, a, On a, you know, these early games where it's still hot outside. Um, that's a refreshing drink that will
1: sneak up on you and kick your ass. I yep. promise you. No doubt. Uh, Mark, what do you like to partake in?
3: <laughs> Bloody Mary. Hopefully, I love an early AM, you know, SEC game. You know, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the grove is hard to beat. That's one of my favorite times. So little frosty morning, Bloody Mary. It's, that's my favorite.
1: If you ask Malcolm, he knows that I am a high-level detester of the Bloody Mary on many different levels, Uh, mostly in those competitions where you put 17,000 pounds of food off of a six-ounce drink, which I still don't understand. But what is your best Bloody Mary recipe?
3: So with me, I love a good briny, kind of almost sour Bloody Mary. So I'm going to do just for a groove, easy mix, usually – Zingzang or something like that, but I cut it in half. I'll do pickle juice, olive juice, and then that and shake it up, a little oh. bit of extra pepper, hot sauce, and of course, vodka. Yeah, and if you got horseradish available, definitely.
1: All right, you're a, you're a horseradish. I prefer. I, like, I like love the, the
3: pickle juice in it, though.
1: All right. You like the horseradish yeah. in it? Yeah,
3: definitely. All right. All right. Uh, you got to open them sinuses up early in the morning.
1: No doubt. Hair of the dog. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch on here, guys, while well, we got a couple minutes left, is this deep fryer that I saw you have. So I have this really crappy might hold six wings deep fryer that we use rarely. Probably it's out of sight, out of mind. It's like it's small enough for me to put away in the basement when I'm not using it. And if nobody's asking for something specifically deep fried, it just stays in the basement where I put it and I don't see it. So I'm not thinking about using it. But you guys have something that you were testing out a couple months ago that seemed to be like a little bit more industrial looking but I'm I don't know if it was really industrial size like you would use in a commercial kitchen but if you could tell me a little bit about it and then I have some questions about deep frying basics
4: well it's a double the one we use is a double double basket deep fryer I wouldn't say it's commercial but it's perfect for your outdoor patio um it's I think it holds four gallons of uh, frying oil uh you know usually I'm a big fan of peanut oil or just the clear frying oil Either one of those is great for it, but this one's set up, man. You could do, heck, I bet we were fly, frying probably sixteen wings at a time. Yeah, it'll do at, two at, pounds at of wings basket. in each basket. Yeah, in each basket at a time oh. without changing the temp up too much. Uh, it just runs on a regular propane bottle. You light it up and you kick. You kind of control the flame as it comes up. It'll set at three hundred and fifty, which is usually what we're frying at. Um, you know, for uh, and it's it's great for outdoor
3: cooking. Yeah. The big thing with that fryer is. The heat and everything's kind of midways of the oil. So if you have any like cornmeal or anything, it settles the bottom underneath the heat so it don't burn, so it don't hmm. scorch your oil, and you're able to save your oil a lot better.
1: What is the standard operating procedure on looking at the oil and deciding, hey, we can get another cook out of it, or we got to drain it and add four and a half gallons of new oil?
3: I say, I mean... Depends on what you're frying. Like if you're doing chicken wings, you can use that oil forever as long as you don't ever get it over that 375, 380 and scorch it. Um, It stays pretty clear with chicken wings. When you start doing a bunch of cornmeal and fried pickles and hush puppies, that's when your oil is going to start getting a little darker on you. Hmm. But as long as it still smells like frying oil and don't smell like burnt oil, it's pretty well good to go. I
4: I think Mark hit on it there. It's really about the temperature of that oil.
3: If you get it over that smoke point, which...
4: With most oils we're using, it's upwards of 400. You know, you take a 415, 425, that's where you smoke the oil, and it's going to start having that bitter, burnt taste. (laughs) Um, You know, back back, in this takes me way back, Greg, to when I worked at Sonic back in high school. We had to change the oil out weekly, but you got to think, we were frying a lot. And so we would filter it every night. So you can also filter these baskets, too. They have a drain on them. You can run it through a filter, catch it once it cools off, and then pour it right back in. So you're getting rid of a lot of that. Um, but it really just going to go by look and smell. Um, you know, some of the famous hamburger places down in, in Memphis, Dyer's, they'd say they've been using the same oil for 60, 70 years. So I don't know if I believe that, but I think if you take care of it, it gets a flavor. And if you start noticing that that you smell anything rancid or anything off, I would dump it and start over.
3: Malcolm, weirdest thing, yeah, thing you've... my dad taught me. Go ahead, Mark. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I think my dad taught me we cooked a lot of fish with cornmeal, so if you'll take a can of just cheap WAP biscuits and cut them up and drop them in the oil as you get done, all that cornmeal sticks to that doughy on that biscuit, and it cleans your oil out. And They're mm. pretty good bites. They're a good savory donut hole, but <laughs> it'll help you clean your grease a little bit.
1: Oh, great tip there <laughs> right at the end. Uh, Mark, weirdest thing you've ever had deep fried? Hmm, that's a tough one there. Um, that probably weird the weirdest things?
3: thing I've ever ate deep fried would be mountain oysters. Mm, all right. I was, I was That's go, probably
1: it. I was going to go testicle. Uh, Malcolm, weirdest thing you've ever had deep fried? Uh, probably alligator
4: bites if you call that weird. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're pretty good. But you can I, I've had them, I've had Rocky Mountain oysters. They're actually delicious. <laughs> they're real good. I, I've had them <laughs> not deep fried.
1: That. I've had them not deep fried, just, you know, uh, cooked up and like, uh, what do you call them? Like skillet fried, I guess, or uh, pan fried. And yeah, they were getting... The mental hurdle you get over is much harder uh, than actually the taste hurdle, which uh, was actually quite delicious. So, you know, don't be afraid to try anything named oyster, especially if it's not coming from the sea and you know it's a testicle. Uh, You can find Malcolm (laughs) Reed over at How to Barbecue Right, and you can find Mark Williams at Swine Life Barbecue, the associated YouTube channels as well, and Once a month, right here in the beginning of every month, you'll find Malcolm Reed and there's Mark Williams right there, too. Guys, really appreciate the time, and we'll see you again next month. Hey, always fun, Greg. We'll see you next. Have a good one. All right, guys, take care. There they are. Malcolm Reed and Mark Williams, if you need them. How to BBQ Right and SwinelifeBBQ.com. Kerry Bringle coming up right after I talked to you quickly about Pits and Spits, handcrafting smokers and grills in Houston, Texas since 1983. Establishing itself as a premier brand of high-quality offset smokers and more recently pellet cookers. Setting itself apart by using heavy 7 and 10-gauge steel in every cooker, 304 stainless roll-top lids, front shelves. Does it matter? Yes, using high-quality materials means... The smokers reach and maintain temperatures, allowing you to worry more about the meat than the heat. Also, a fully welded smoker means grease and smoke isn't coming out of the barrel. And that 304 stainless steel means that it's an heirloom quality product that you can pass down to your kids. Now, where some companies are focusing on low-cost providers, Pits and Spits focuses on craftsmanship and quality materials. There are cheaper ways to make them, but they don't believe in tack welds and cheap stainless electronics that you can't trust. Having control of all of this gives them a superior product, not something you found brought in from overseas. Their steel suppliers give you material to be used in some of the harshest environments around, so they'll perform in any and all conditions. Plus, the controllers made right here in the States, they have unimpeded transparency into the programming. Pitts and Spits has the dealer network across the country, but if there isn't one close to you, call Koi in the shop, tell him I told you to call 844-650-6250. Whether you're a backyard grill master looking to cook steaks for the family, or a competition team smoking 50 racks of rib, Pit and Spits has a product for you. You can check them out at pitsandspits.com, all spelled out, or see their pits in the wild across social media with their handle at Pits We are back with the Peg Leg Porker right after this. Stick around. Be right
0: back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere, The Barbecue Central Show. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show.
1: Alright, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com to purchase or see what else they're offering. Chris Becker and the gang. Appreciate their support. My next guest, one of the most well-known and accomplished barbecue cooks in the country. You've probably been to his restaurant. You've ever been to Nashville. Seen him on TV. Widely considered to be one of the best whole hog cooks in the country. And shameful that I am once again trying to have him here on this show. Technology was a little disserviceable last month, but we race to the hotline and try it again. As we welcome in the founder of the Peg Leg Porker brand, Kerry Pringle, joining me. Hey, Kerry, how are you?
2: I'm good, Greg. How you doing today, brother? Guess what? We are in. We sound good. really good, as the uh, truckers
1: it. say. We're <laughs> loud and proud and wall to wall, treetop tall, or whatever the hell they're saying. Anyway, great to have you on here, and appreciate you uh, giving it another try as we didn't connect last month. So, before we get into it, how do you spell? <clears throat> how do you spell barbecue? Uh,
2: you know, we I usually spell it B B Q. It uh, You can spell it a number of ways, but usually I just do BBQ. That's the easiest for me.
1: Most people know Kerry Bringle, of <laughs> course, right? Peg Pork. For those that just might be getting into the hobby of smoking, or maybe they're hooked, but now they're delving into the history components of this, are you able to paint a loose picture of Kerry Bringle, the youth, and how you're barbecue background (laughs) was formed and and where you are today? Sure,
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I was uh, born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee. My family's all from West Tennessee, and so uh, my mom and dad both grew up in Memphis. My granddaddy was from Covington, and my family settled in Covington, Tennessee in 1827, actually after coming through North Carolina uh, to land and, you know, to settle down in Covington. In eighteen twenty seven and they were farmers and uh barbecue was a big part of their uh background and part of the culture at the time and so um when I grew up, although I was in Nashville, I traveled to Memphis a lot. My grandfather was an o b g y n who'd grown up on a farm in Covington, but delivered a lot of the children of the barbecue families and although he didn't do barbecue. For a living. He grew up cooking barbecue and in fact my favorite picture in the restaurant is him as a naval officer in the middle of World War ii cooking whole hogs on the island of Luan with the natives wow. uh in the middle of the war with the troops. And so that that love for barbecue was instilled in me. We went to Lewis's store, Bozo's, Leonard's, all the places, the public eye, Rendezvous, all those places were Instilled in me in a young age, and my uncle Bruce cooked barbecue uh, as a hobby, and was uh, cooked in the very first Memphis in May <laughs> uh, World Barbecue Championship. I've got that apron here in the restaurant in our trophy case, um, and uh, Bessie Smith won that competition. A, a black woman uh, was the very first to ever win Memphis in May. A lot of women claim to be the first, you know, title winner at Memphis in May, and. And they're they're great and well accomplished uh, uh, pitmasters, but bet, uh, a woman won the very first Memphis in May, and not only a woman, a black woman won the very first Memphis in May, and uh, uh, we've got the newspaper clipping from that, and a uh, guy's got the apron from that, and so I grew up with that and in my background, and then uh, started cooking with my uncle at a very young age, and with my grandfather Jack, he cooked. What we call country back ribs at the time, which are really just cut off the butt, and uh, it was a big Southern thing. You you don't see it much anymore, but it was a big thing when I was growing up, and um, and so that's how I got into barbecue, and and so I've been cooking for over thirty five years, and finally opened the restaurant about eight and a half years ago.
1: What was the impetus to get you into the to the brick and mortar? Was it just the next logical step or was there something that precipitated it?
2: You know, I always said that I was, I was going to wait to do it until I, uh, was retired and I would, could always do it and never have to compromise and do it the way I wanted to. Um, I had been in healthcare and then I was in technology and, uh, uh, finally I broke with my company in technology and, and, it just seemed like the right time and i started consulting and uh while i was doing that consulting i was building out the restaurant and uh it just felt right i felt like i wanted to do it and uh we didn't compromise we stuck to the menu that we said we were going to do which was real tennessee barbecue no brisket no beef uh, all pork dry ribs we started doing wet ribs and dry ribs when we first opened and then we were spent too much time convincing people That dry ribs was our specialty. They'd kind of get pissed off, and they were like, "You know, I feel like you're pressuring me." And I was like, "That's because we are. These are better. (laughs) It's a better rib." And uh, so finally, I just dropped wet ribs from the menu because I didn't want to feel like arguing with customers anymore. And um, and so that's our specialty, you know. And we took our cue from the rendezvous and the public eye who made the best public, you know, best dry ribs and. You know, dry ribs are Greek in origin. They were invented by the by the Vergas family at the rendezvous. Uh, but they they charbroil theirs. They cook them hot and fast over charcoal. We smoke ours, and that's the difference. We still both use a dry seasoning, which is uh, the only thing we have on that rib when we're smoking it is kosher salt. And then we hit it with that dry seasoning right before it hits your plate. And you get the full brightness of the spices and the full flavor of the pork rib. And that's what we think makes it great. But uh, we, we owe that heritage to the uh, Vergas family and uh, and the people that came before us. Uh, we just do it a little bit different, and that's um, and what's our signature style.
1: So from eight years ago to where we are now, especially in the, uh, the last year and a half, it's been an incredible change for obvious reasons. What have been some of the biggest changes that you've noticed it might've just been an evolutionary change, and then what was the biggest challenge over the last year and a half for you to continue to remain operating?
2: Yeah, I mean, COVID was very difficult for us. In fact, I just got over a 10-day stint with COVID. I'm surprised I didn't catch it earlier, but I didn't. Um, but over the, over the previous three weeks, I had it. My wife had it, my son had it, huh. um, and uh, it hit me like a freight train. It, it was not uh, fun but uh, I'm over it now. I still feel a little fatigued, but uh, we're good. Uh, We had about 14 or 15 staff members get it. Luckily everybody was safe and good and they made it through it just fine. Uh, It was tough on staffing. It's tough on um, the supply chain has been very disrupted. Uh, Ribs, which we used to lock in on a yearly price. Uh, Now we're trying to buy spot ribs just as you know, to get our spec whenever we can get them. And we're having to pay whatever they want to charge, which is about $2 a pound higher than we've ever paid for ribs in our life. And we use a loin back rib or a baby back. We use a two and a quarter down peeled and they're very hard to get right now. And so that's been a big challenge for us. We've had to adjust pricing, but even as much as you adjust pricing the supply chain is so disrupted Mm -hmm. with just every little product that every kind of everything is inched up to where you almost can't adjust your pricing enough to make up for what's happening in the background. And that's what I don't think people understand. Our labor is up, our supply chain pricing is up, uh, custom printed items that we used to do, nobody wants to print anymore. It's just a whole lot of things happening in the background that are making business very difficult. But luckily we've got a great staff and, and great customers and we're we're making it through it and about to open a new place.
1: Is that the highest or the most popular thing in the restaurant? Is it the ribs? Or can you could you not serve ribs and try and weather the storm that way and and still be successful with everything <laughs> else?
2: Um we could try that, but I think <laughs> if Peg Leg Porker didn't serve our dry ribs, we'd be we'd have a lot of people that would be very upset. Yeah. That is our that is what we're known for, and uh, that's what we've hung our hat on. We got a great barbecue sandwich and a great pulled pork platter, but uh, ribs are really our specialty, and, and that's uh, that would be very difficult to drop.
1: How do you see it playing out here over the next six months or so towards the end of the year? I think
2: we are still got another six months to go on pork supply. They're having a tough time. They're having a tough time staffing, uh, you know. Uh, I came uh, from at one time in the meat industry and understand slaughterhouses and understand the process of how they work. You've got people that are working shoulder to shoulder, side by side. That's That's the efficiency in those plants, and that's the way they were designed to work. When you start trying to put plexiglass in between those people and start trying to separate them, and then you get a pandemic where Multiple people get sick and are out the line just doesn't work like it used to So that labor shortage is causing a big problem in the pork industry And I don't see a break in it for at least six months. I think maybe in the spring we might see a break but uh, luckily butts have come down in price and gotten back into a normal range but ribs are still off the charts and still very hard to find.
1: No doubt about it. I was just going to grab a couple racks of ribs for this past weekend at BJ's Wholesale Club, and just the standard you know, Prairie Fresh or whatever the hell it was, they were $62 for a two-pack of of St. Louis-style ribs, and I said, hey, guess what, everybody? You're not getting ribs at the Rempe household (laughs) this weekend. But to your point, uh, pork butts did seem to get uh, much more back in line, so I grabbed two butts, and everybody had pulled pork sandwiches and hey, the food's free when you come to my house, so shut the F up and eat it, and it's going to be good, and there you go. Bring a side, and everybody's happy. Absolutely. One of the other other things I wanted to ask you about is the bourbon. So there's a guy that shows up on my show every once in a while, and he is the uh, Barbecue Central show of bourbon. It's called Whiskey Cast. I don't know if you're familiar with it or how geeked out you get about it. And uh, so we had a... A interesting first discussion and we were talking about bourbon and then we started talking about Jack Daniels and then he proceeded to educate me on the whole fact of the matter that well Jack Daniels is actually bourbon when you look at the mash bill when you look how it's made blah 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 but they made yes. a concerted effort to make sure that it was called Tennessee whiskey and it's a yes. marketing thing blah 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 well here's Kerry coming out with the peg leg porker brand of what you call Tennessee bourbon whiskey Tennessee straight bourbon. Tennessee straight bourbon. absolutely. So talk to me about Tennessee and bourbon all together in the same sentence and uh, and why you decided to go into the bourbon business.
2: So um, I've been a a bourbon fan for years and years. We were sponsored by Jim Beam Black for years. In fact, they still support us on our Memphis and May team. We've got a great relationship with Beam, and Fred knows, a personal friend. Nice. And um, they've been great to us, but uh they're a huge huge company now beam Suntory, uh probably a 16 billion dollar company now um we never were able to get anything going with beam because you're dealing with a lot of uh, red tape and uh, bureaucracy and so um i wanted to do something in the bourbon world but uh that wasn't going to happen and so a, a friend of mine who had been with beam for 16 years left uh he knew of a batch of bourbon that was available and this is about seven and a half years ago he called me up he said i know you want to start your own bourbon brand if you want to buy this wholesale bourbon you could do it it's going to be you know a way for you to get into the market and if you want to jump on this then you ought to right now and i said well i just opened this restaurant it's the worst time in the world for me and he said well it's here it is you know and i so i i made some calls and we made it work uh, and it was very difficult, but we, we got it going. And um, then I developed, I, I, we're a non-distilling producer, and I've never been shy about telling people that. We buy our bourbon from, uh, it is distilled and aged in Tennessee. Um, and wh- what we do different is that once we debarrel the bourbon, I run it through hickory charcoal that I've burned down in my pits personally. And so it gives it a signature flavor and taste that's a finish on that bourbon that makes it unique to us. And that's a process that I developed that now a couple of distilleries have copied and done, including Jack Daniels has done with some experimental batches with some hickory finish. Hmm. Um, and that's, you know, hey, look, I'm flattered that somebody as big as Jack Daniels and Brown Foreman, who are as prominent as they are, would uh, would do something after after we've done it. We've won some awards, it's been great. We've got our white label, which is a four to six year old. Our gray label, which is an eight year old. Our our black label is a 12 year old. Last year we came out with our Pitmaster reserve, which was a 15 year old in a commemorative box. It did very well and had a peg leg pig topper on it. Uh, It's a field I'm passionate about. I get some grief about because some people say, well, you're a non-distilling producer. You know, I've been called a faker. I've been called, (laughs) you know, a rectifier. And, you know, people say, well, you just bought some bourbon and slapped your name on it and put it in a bottle. And that's what you did. And I said, well, you know, if you want to start your own bourbon company, please be my guest. Go ahead. I'm going to tell you there's two things you need, some deep pockets and big balls. And if you don't have those two things, then you need to just shut up. And stop talking about how I run a bourbon company. It's a, we're now distributed in about 12 states. And, uh, it's something I'm very passionate about. We've got a great product. We're very proud of it. We've laid down our own barrels in the last year. We laid down 600 barrels. We'll lay down another 600 before the end of this year. And, uh, then we are working towards building a distillery, uh, in the next five years. But it, it will not be a small show still. It'll be a large uh production distillery that we're very proud of. And I feel like Turtle wins a race in this game and uh we're in it for the long run. It's something I'm passionate about and uh you know, something I I, I drink the product every day. I
1: love it. So the way that it is now, you have a relationship with whoever is producing it is is the same partner that you have right now that's it's producing not
2: a, it? It? it's not a partnership it's very tough to get bourbon right now I've got a network of brokers that I buy bourbon uh. from and we buy bourbon as it becomes available on the market it's a very tricky game and it's very tough to predict or know what's gonna happen and so you have to have cash readily available you got to be able to pull a trigger in a matter of minutes yeah. And some if you get a call and your broker says I've got this you better be able to make a two hundred fifty thousand dollars decision uh, to buy that bourbon, or you're gonna be out and it's gonna be gone because somebody else is gonna buy it. The market's that hot right now, mm. and it's a uh, it is not a uh, easy game to play.
1: Sounds like it's doing business with the Barbecue Central show uh, at its finest. Oh. Uh, is it hard then for you? Look at uh, one of the things you always hear in barbecue, as you know, is consistency, consistency, consistency is, is what is going right. to have your name rise to the top of the restaurant scene or the competition world, what have you. Right. If you're getting calls from your brokers saying, hey, I got X amount of bourbon you know, ready to go at, at X amount, and it's not from whoever you bought it from the last time, what things are you having to take into account? Or are you even trying to have whatever last year was be... Taste somewhat similar to what whatever the amount you're going to be buying now it seems like it might potentially breed some inconsistencies from a flavor standpoint.
2: It could be tough. we have uh we've always tried to buy from the same source and and whether it's multiple brokers, we've tried to get it from the same source to where it was consistent or had a, a very consistent mash bill and um and it was what we wanted and what we knew our customers uh wanted. And then we use the hickory charcoal filtering process uh, to finish it, to make it even more consistent. But, for example, I just bought some rye that's come out of Canada that uh, I bought, you know, 200 barrels of. which It's a lot of money. Um, And I took a chance on. And uh, it doesn't have the color I want on it. I'm going to have to re-barrel it and get more color on it before we release it, but it's excellent product. It's got a great flavor and a great taste to it. It just doesn't have the color that I think needs to be out there in the marketplace for the price point that it's gonna cost to buy this bottle of bourbon or or rye, uh, which is, it's 100% rye. And so I think my customers are gonna love it, but you have to make those judgment calls. And these are not uh, small money calls. These are big. (laughs) these are big money calls that you're betting on 200 barrels of, uh, of rye, you know, is, it can approach $500,000. And so, um, you're, you're making some, (laughs) you're making judgment calls on stuff. And that's why I say, you got to have big balls for this business because it's not for the faint of heart. If it comes in and it's not something that's, that you think is great for your customers, then you gotta figure out what you're gonna do with it. And, um, you know, again, like you said, in the barbecue business with Peg Leg Porker, we've hung our hat on consistency. We do dry ribs, we have a very limited menu, we have very limited sides, and we say, this is what we think that we're best at. And so, the reason that Peg Leg Porker has been so successful is because we, narrowly focus on what we think we can do the best job at and we train our people to make sure that they adhere to that standard and that's what we do.
1: Kerry Bringle joining me here on the show. Uh, We missed last month. We've hooked it up this month. Great initial first segment and uh, so much more that we could talk about probably for the next two hours, especially on the bourbon side because I'm a huge Mm -hmm. bourbon fan myself. Um, But let's circle back and uh, maybe talk some cooking next time and you know, a whole bunch of other peg leg porker business. Kerry, really appreciate the time tonight.
2: Hey, thank you very much, Craig. We really appreciate being on the show. Uh, Always a pleasure and uh, got a great show here. Good to see Malcolm and Mark on the show before me. And uh, sorry, last time didn't work out technically.
1: We got it this time. That's all that counts. Thanks so much, my friend.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Hey, thank
1: you. You got it. There he is. Kerry Bringle right there. And he is... I mean, for as passionate as you know he's going to be on the barbecue side. Perhaps equally or more passionate on the bourbon side, which is fantastic. That's a whole other topic that we can delve into going forward. Peglegporker.com is website. If you want to go check his bourbons out, you can uh, hit the website as well. I'm not sure exactly how that sells over the lines this lower third is really pissing me off for the podcasters don't even worry about what i'm saying we're gonna run a little long here so let me make sure i stop that i'll talk to you quickly about yoder smokers they design and build all of their products right here in the states building po- uh, <laughs> building pride through craftsmanship and world-class customer service is the backbone of how they've built the company This approach translates into what can be a truly bespoke style product that elevates gatherings with friends and family. They're honored to have a trusted place in the backyards of America. From pellet grills to wood-fueled offset pits or charcoal grills, consistent blue ribbon flavor has become synonymous with the Yoder Smoker's name. Make no mistake, Yoder Smoker's flavor-driven design is unique to each style of pit, and their team has designed the cookers to perform time and time again while lasting the competition for generations to come. It's this generational thought that is rooted in the handmade products and defines the integrity of the core values. American-made quality and endless flavor, the benchmarks of Yoder Smokers. Visit the website as I continue to try to line them up for an interview. Yodersmokers.com. That's Yodersmokers.com. Check them out, then grab yours today or grab a couple. If you can get them, Sam out at Sam's Northwest Barbecue, selling through them at a record pace. We thank Kerry Bringle once more, and we'll be right back after this stick around.
0: Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey.
1: All right, welcome back. This portion being brought to you by Fireboard. Fireboard 2, Fireboard 2 Drive, Fireboard 2 Pro, monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously, connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring, or connect via Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck because Fireboard 2, 2 Drive, and Pro, fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. That's 816-945-2232. All right, once again, we thank Kerry Bringle for a great first segment. We also thank Malcolm Breed, Mark Williams for the segment before him. As we line up for the second hour, refresh Libations, and we'll catch you here in just two minutes. Stick around. We'll be right back.